where the guy was like, ha ha, this is why I keep my mouth shut. Empire, Rebels, New Republic, you know, the, the pompous rich guy. And then the monk is like, oh, you're doing such great work for us. When in reality, he's not. It's the bureaucracy of, of politics that shows that the New Republic was headed to- towards the same doomed path that the Republic was. Who's the man in the best mask? He's the man, the Lorian, who gets paid to do random tasks. It's the man, the Lorian, this is the way he'll say. And then he'll be on his way. And we are live with another episode of the Mandalorian After Show. This is season three, episode three. I'm your host, Demetra Pereira. If you are watching us live, you are watching us on twitch.tv slash the Keeg Show or youtube.com slash the Keeg Show, or perhaps uh you're listening to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Uh yeah, I'm your host, Demetra Pereira. We also got co-host Sarah Zidney, aka Miss Marauder. Sarah, Hello. how you been in this last week? Doing good. Doing good. Uh I'm gonna be done with uh, a whole lineup of cosplays over a week ahead of time for a convention. So that's Feeling wild pretty good about myself <laughs> i don't know what even one cosplayer who gets their stuff done ahead of time well I, I when you're a single parent to a child you can't you can't really afford to con crunch you got to get it all done make sure it all fits her and uh yeah so yeah I, yeah but i'm very proud yes the only con crunch with a with a kid should be that cotton crunch the yep. east eat beforehand Am I right? Exactly. Exactly. We're we're more of a cinnamon toast crunch family, but yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That works. All right. I just thought of Captain before I, I thought it. of cin- the the chef. You know. Uh. But Sarah. Uh. For people out there who are listening to the podcast, wherever you get your podcast from, they can't see all the Mandalorian helmets in your background. No, but yes, I have. So I also I also have Sabine. Uh, oh, I didn't even see that. Yeah. Yeah. So Sabine Run, I made Mando, I made, uh, and then our newest Mandalorians that are just getting finished right now are uh, Bruno and Mirabelle uh, in Kanto themed Mandalorians. So I love those it. are our custom designed helmets that I designed and made and painted and sanded and painted and sanded and painted and sanded just a little bit more. This is the uh, way. <laughs> I, I like, uh, I like, well, no, I'm going to comment on the episode later. Uh, who was that voice? Again, if you're listening to the podcast, you you don't know. If you're seeing the live stream, you know. We got Chris, a.k.a. Star Wars Lawyer. Chris, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing well, man. Tired, but I'm doing well. It is late. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, yeah, we just watched the Mandalorian episode right when it dropped at midnight. Uh, you know, if not a little bit before that. And then we're here at like 1.10 a.m., Pacific time to talk about this episode. I know it's late. Um, uh, ha- have you been staying up late, Chris, for like the previous two episodes? No, if if I do stay up, mm-hmm. it's called I take a nap for a couple hours and then I wake up and then I watch it and then I take another nap and then that's sleep. Yeah, I I have work tomorrow. So yep. a- my my first thought process when I when I used to do the show and then when I was coming back for this season is that hey we're up anyway might as well stay up an extra hour and do this show and then I now I'm like oh that's an extra hour I could watch the show and go to sleep or we could do this um 
to, in your opinion, Chris, uh, as far as like staying up and watching these episodes drop, how has this season been so far uh, compared to the previous seasons for like watching it as they drop? I mean, so I don't think I did. So season two, I didn't stay up. Oh. Um, I didn't really start doing that till probably Kenobi. Oh, okay. Um, so I think, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, it just never really occurred to me to do that, even though it was like during the pandemic, but at least at that point in time, um, I had to go into the office every day, even though it was still like during the crux of the pandemic because of the firm I was at. Yeah. Um, so I do remember the earliest I probably watched it was I went into the office really early. I think it was probably like I got into office around seven and uh, just because of like I knew I wasn't going to start work then and I had like dual monitors. So I threw up the season <laughs> two finale and I was just like freaking out in my office. And one of the legal assistants I got there at some point, she was just like, what's going on? I'm like, I'm watching Star Wars go away. <laughs> 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 um, I'm glad that you can, you know, double task because your your username Star Wars Lawyer isn't just a made up moniker. Nope, you are an actual lawyer. That is correct. So, um, have you thought about uh, galactic law? I mean, I, to, to get into the episode a little bit, they said yeah. the Coruscant Accords, and I'm like, first time we're hearing about that. Gimme. Let me like, let me look at that document. Yeah, because yeah. uh Beth, who uh is Mara Dajay uh Skywalker, is also a lawyer. And, and we've talked about like different things a lot, and we're just like, well, we have no real like galactic constitution or anything to base any of these things off of, even in legends, which is kind of surprising that someone in some legend story or you know, some canon source book hasn't had like some some basic guidelines and principles. I I I think that um, when episode one came out and they started getting into the politics, I think people complained. Right? I mm. feel like like Star Wars was like, oh yeah, we we don't think anyone's interested in the politics now. As an adult, the politics of Star Wars with Andor specifically, like. Mm got me so like i'm so interested in like what does it mean like what does all this like amount to you know you just toppled a whole empire a whole regime there's a regime change uh this episode goes into it this episode was a weird sandwich of mm -hmm. uh you know uh shout out to viva labam bustums out there saying Okay, what the hell was this Black Mirror episode they just gave us? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, kind of, yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I I don't know how interested you guys have been in the the politics and the law of it all. Um, Sarah, do you have any? I'm not interested at all in any laws. Uh, however. I am interested in like the middle management of it all. You know the you know destroying the. Uh, all the technology, you know, I thought that was an interesting uh, idea. The like, kind of like re-education, uh, re, what did they call it? Hold on. A reintegration institute. Like, I think all uh -huh. that stuff is kind of fascinating, the political stuff. Uh, yeah, but there were, I think, 
So I know when it first started, it was like, okay, the last Star Wars thing we watched was Andor. So you have to kind of get back into, okay, this is a little bit lighter. You know, it's a little bit more adventure, a little less, you know, gritty. And I feel like I finally got that. I was like, okay. And then this episode was like, hey, remember Andor? We've got these guys in cubicles too. We've got this too. We've got, I was like, (laughs) okay, now I miss Andor again. Like you got, you can't, you know, there were parts there where I was like, I don't know. It's that's what we've been missing. Made me miss Andor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Base cubicles. That's what we need. Cubicles have been, yeah, what I've been missing. Why do I think it's so funny, at least for me, how we've yo-yoed from like Star Wars being the most grandest of of good versus evil, the galaxy is at stake, everything to cubicles, to rehabilitation. I do miss the floating ties. I miss the business casual, the tie that Cyril Karn has that's like straight mm-hmm. into his shirt mm-hmm. I oh, yeah. like i i miss the fashion yeah uh, i think that i will enjoy this episode a lot more the second time i watch it because i feel like i was kind of watching the clock and i was like do i care about this like Bo-Katan's yeah. castle just got bombed like what am i doing here but with the twist at the end i i feel like the second time i watch it i'll i'll like it more Although yeah. I will say, as an English teacher, I did write down a couple times. I'm very suspicious. I think something's foreshadowing, and I was like, "Haha!" I, I was yeah. waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like yeah. I, yeah. when they opened uh, the lab, I expected Moff Gideon to just be standing there. They said he's just... in, he's in he's in a detention center or something, right? Yeah, but if he actually did escape, like they said, the rumor was like they would never advertise that he actually escaped. Yeah, that's too big of a public loss for the New Republic. So I just expected like he was just chilling there. He was just living on the ship under everybody's nose. Yeah, I. I don't. Yeah, Sarah, you have any thoughts? Um. Well, I want to start off by saying this is the longest episode of the Mandalorian ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. At 58 minutes. I looked at it as soon as I saw 58 minutes. I looked back at all the other seasons and I was like, oh, this isn't just one of the longest. This is literally the longest episode they've ever done. Mm-hmm. Which I think is because it would have been a regular length episode, but they were like, we're going to start with man- like the little bookends, like that last five minutes, first five minutes and last five minutes. Uh were i feel i feel like almost tacked on like it would have been a solid 45 minutes like it normally is but they were like well we're gonna sandwich the we're not gonna be it's not gonna be a standalone of these two people we're gonna sandwich it in were they afraid of doing a whole pershing elia kane episode and then they had to sandwich this these like the beginning and the and the ending on I feel like with the beginning, you know, you you have to sort of tie it into the last episode (laughs) where it ended off just to see that. Now they could have just done that and then um, just went to a Lion King and Dr. Pershing and then just ended the episode. Um, But I feel like bookending it gives that sort of sense of closure to what just happened with Bo and then as they regroup and then try to plan for okay why was the empire back on 
Mandalore or in the Mandalorian system. Uh, uh, why were there that many TIE interceptors and bombers? You know, yeah, because there weren't even that many with the light cruiser in the last season. Yeah, they well they said right that it that this is, it's like too many. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't like a light cruiser. It felt more like I was expecting to see a star destroyer pop up or something. Yeah. Did Gideon not have a star destroyer? No, he had a, a light cruiser. Okay, so we're dealing with somebody bigger. Yeah. And this is almost like a Hydra shield thing to me. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the vibe I got from this episode is there are Imperials within the New Republic doing their own thing. Yeah. And this is after the Battle of Jakku. So this is where... So technically, the Empire has dissolved. Yeah. And... This uh is like- the beginning of the first order yeah yes and no so a lot of the first order right now is in the unknown regions um just kind of recuperating and and kind of doing like little pot shot missions um and then there are some either if you want to call them first order sympathizers or um actual first order agents in the new republic government right now um but this is interesting because this is the real first look at the New Republic that we had in live action besides them getting destroyed in the sequel trilogy because mm-hmm. um, everything else has been in books. Uh, Leia, um, the Bloodlines book, Aftermath trilogy, Lost Stars a little bit. Um, even, and so in, we're, even in Force Awakens, it's Hosnian Prime, right? That gets, yeah. that gets destroyed. It's not Coruscant. No, yeah, it's Hosnian Prime and four other planets because they uh, changed the location of the capital. I don't know if it was every few years or something like that. They just kept changing it because to help promote galactic synergy. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't know. W- w- when does that start? You know, this is the first time seeing Coruscant after Return of the Jedi, right? Um. I think I think so. Yeah, not that we saw much, but like we saw some like the streets. We Actually, saw, we saw the, more. We saw the mountain. Uh, the where do they say that's like Umat. the only Umat. Yeah, Umat. the only place you can see the surface of the planet. Yeah, which yeah. I feel wild. like said a lot about Coruscant. That was very interesting. Shout yeah. out to the Darth Plagueis book. What? Why? What? Did, what happened in the Darth Plagueis book? That mountain was uh, like mentioned in there. I think oh. that's I don't know if it's the first mention, but it's it hasn't been mentioned a lot, but that was one of the mentions. Okay. I was the, a Leo. And, uh, glowing ice cream. Love stuff like that. Where it's yeah. like it's just it's a thing, it's just a little bit different. And yep. that's Star Wars. Yep. But like, all right. It's it's lo-fi, right? Like it's kind of like even when when Din was riding in that in that in in uh Bo Katan's ship like the gun that he points out like isn't like this high-tech thing it just looks like he's pointing a long gun through a hole and mm-hmm. shooting tie fighters with it yep also we got the answer to the question how is he gonna prove he bathed in the living waters that we were all hoping would be like a shirtless pool selfie but <laughs> was just taking a sample of the water um 
I uh, I wrote down in my notes both of these ships can fucking get it, which I think means that the it, it was so impressive this N one Starfighter and and Bo's ship the move yeah. that she does where she like drops the power turns mm-hmm. it around with one and then it's in like zero gravity for a minute I was like blown away like wasn't I, there one that so she cool. she also flips she flips it around yeah by rotating the cockpit yeah. Oh. It was so cool. Ever since, ever since, it's either Return of the Jedi or Empire, where you see an Imperial shuttle. Is it? Maybe it's in A New Hope, but the Imperial shuttles, you know, land upright, and then they, when they Mm. fly off, yeah, you know, they fly like that way. Uh, I always loved like transforming ships. Mm -hmm. Then again, I also grew up on like Transformers and Beast Wars and stuff. So like maybe transforming ships. It's not a Star Wars thing, but like. Bo-Katan shit does that and that's cool and the whole time I kept thinking why isn't she taking her helmet off for this surely she could see better if she took her helmet off and then 53 minutes later I found out why yeah I mean for the the plot I mean but technically if Grogu is covered up and she takes off her helmet she's fine because droids it doesn't matter because they're they're not living beings so she would have been fine. Yeah. Also, I mean, does it matter if a child sees you? Yes. Uh, I've said it once. I've said it a thousand times. Children are not people. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it, I think that the designation <laughs> is living beings. And I mean, I, I could make the legal argument. That, eh, they, they are, but they're not, you know, like he has a parent. He has someone that's in, you know, He's a toddler. He 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 won't remember. Yeah. Uh yeah. It, it, it's weird. We get this sandwich of of storylines, right? Um so I guess, you know, starting off like uh, I I thought it was interesting Bo-Katan was like, "Hey, did you you uh you see anything together?" Perhaps at first, I was oh, shocked. At first, I was like, "Is is she really not going to say anything?" And then I was like, "Wait a minute, it's Bo-Katan. Like, she mm-hmm. she plays her cards pretty close to the chest. That's uh, is she I'm, purposely I'm not saying not anything because she thinks she like is it because of a strategic edge or is it because she thought maybe she made it up, like she was seeing things down there? I think it's because. Now all those things she considered myths and fairy tales and children's stories are could possibly be real, and she's you know like she spent, I would say probably her teen years believing one thing and being a part of Death Watch, and yeah. then after that believing how she was misled and how they were holding on to some myth of Mandalore of the past, and that's not the way we should do it. And now she's here with Din, who's also trying to believe that, and she's trying to feel like, no, you're an idiot. Stop believing that. And then she sees living proof of Mandalore of the past, and she's like, she's got she's got some coming to grips with that. Is she going to convert? Is that kind of... The episode of the television show is called The Convert. Oh. Mm-hmm. But is it talking about her? Is is the question. Because I've seen some people make arguments that the apostate 
in the first episode because that's the first episode's title of this season is not it wasn't Din it was Grogu Hmm. why is Grogu the apostate? I've heard an argument that it's Bo-Katan because an apostate is somebody that uh, like kind of disavows their beliefs and goes against as opposed to what Din is doing which is like actively trying to get back in Right, but it was the fact that he did for forego his, you know, his uh, creed to take off his helmet. Mm. But with Grogu, because he was raised in the Jedi Temple, and he spent more time in the Jedi Temple than he has without it, then he was back with Luke, and he forswore that to go back with Din. Mm. So if you're looking at our three protagonists of the season so far are all apostates in one way, shape, or form. I I think, I don't know if Bo is going to go along with it. I don't know how long she's going to go along with it. But I the idea that she just watched her home get bombed 10 minutes after seeing a thing she was convinced was a myth. A myth. Mm-hmm. It came to her. She's the one that saw it. Din didn't see it. She saw it. She's the only yeah. one that saw it. And then when she's in that covert and everyone's like touching her on the shoulder, like, and she's looking at the mythosaur skull, I I feel like there's a sense of belonging in that moment that she's kind that's what she's getting won over by. You know, it's not that she really believes in the creed, but I, I think she could, st- I don't know. I'm that's that's hard. I mean, imagine being like I don't know, like in a religious way, being like an atheist or like agnostic and being like, meh, like I didn't, and then like I don't know what would happen, but like so, like a miracle happening or something, and you being like uh oh, I, I, shit. I, I mean <laughs> like, if we're saying religiously, I would say like she's almost a prophet, like the mythosaur being. Mm-hmm. this religious uh vision coming to her right uh yeah. and at the end of this episode where they're they're i mean they're patting on the shoulders they're like hey welcome to the club but it was also kind of maybe maybe i'm connecting you know the uh, the dots where it shouldn't be connected but it seems a lot like getting blessings like i got mm-hmm. this like jesus thing maybe in in, in a way coming together well, and then she sees the mythosaur skull on it and it's imagine if that was a cross like um, imagine if that was a cross on the wall imagine if she saw god down in the pool in the in the living waters you know maybe i don't know she was lost and now she's found right yeah yeah i, I just going back last week to the technicality of technically that robot disarmed in and then technically she picked up the dark saber and then beat the robot thing i think if we can say well technically you bathed in the living waters and technically you haven't taken your helmet off so you're part of the crew now i think she should get the dark saber i think she has earned the saber as much as she's earned being in this group which is like completely on accident like she didn't say the word she didn't swear the creed but they were like well you were in the water and you didn't take your helmet off so well, remember, she has, she has sworn the creed. 
she did it when the first time she went into the living that's waters. true but, but didn't re-swore it mm-hmm. she didn't like re-swore it but i mean i'm no just one... like if she can if she can whoopsie daisy herself into being a part of the the children of the watch she can whoopsie daisy her way into being the owner of the dark saber but i think she's doing more than whoopsie daisy i think at this point she finally feels like if she was visited by the mythosaur, she is worthy. Mm. There's like, there's no question to it, right? Nobody else saw him. He didn't come to you guys. He didn't come to John Favreau's uh, Mandalorian character. What? What's the guy's name? I don't even know. Has Vizsla. He's pissed. Pre, pre, okay, speaking of uh, speaking <laughs> of pre Vizsla, because that's who I was thinking as soon as I saw Paz Vizsla being a hater like this the entire time he's on screen. <laughs> but okay, so where was the armorer during these events of Death Watch? Because all those Mandalorians took their helmets off all the time when they were with other mandalorians so where where did this offshoot come from because in i think it's the french translation where children of the watch is translated as death watch so what 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 were what were you doing because <laughs> like you know if they were fighting the one to reclaim mandalore why didn't you help or did you help and you just became an offshoot did you help out maul like where were y'all at like me personally where was i at yeah where were you at i mean why uh... didn't you help reclaim mandalore (laughs) uh yeah i don't know i don't i'm not so steeped in the mandalore like mythos um i uh like i read legends a lot when i was a kid and i remember there was a star destroyer that was painted red like completely red um i forget who star destroyer that was but uh that was in i feel like they're uh i feel like they're uh barring a little bit from from legends when it comes to you know this faction of imperials i i switch gears a little bit away from mandalorians but you, i don't know uh are you t- talking about the uh the errant venture was that the red star destroyer or was that the um i don't know i'm trying to look at it Is it from Natas? Oh, uh, Admiral Dalla had a Red Star Destroyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, played recently um, Empire at War, so it has all the legends uh, shits because that's when it was made. Uh, yeah, because the game's almost twenty years old, which makes me feel old. <laughs> but that's a different conversation. Um, but yeah, no the. There's a lot that with the Mandalorians that was developed in Clone Wars and Rebels that they've touched on some things but haven't really brought up others. Like last week would have been a perfect opportunity to bring up Satine Kreese, Bo-Katan's <laughs> sister. And they yet, will never say Satine's name in live action. I'm going to call it. They won't Why? say her name. They Why won't, won't say, they? They won't say her name. They won't say Padme's. I don't understand. 
especially since, okay, Dave, you created the character. Because if we talk about Satine, then we're going to ask about Corky. And if we talk about Corky, we're going to talk about Obi-Wan and Satine. There's a lot of uncomfortable questions. I don't think it's uncomfortable. <laughs> Someone does, obviously. I mean, after so after this, after never hearing about an Obi Wan, and then after her talking about her dad and her family and all of that, and not being like, at least just say my sister. Mm-hmm. If she didn't say that last week, they're never going to say it. I don't like, think. well, the only way they I could. Why. I think would be if the armorer and Pokatan get into really just they they get into an argument talking about how the Mandalorian should proceed forward. Um, we don't know how this covert will go under. Will like Din be able to lead them using the dark saber? They who they don't really seem to care about that all that much. While the other Mandalorians Pokatan was with do. So if Din is able to re- reunite them and then you have Bo-Katan as like the angel on his shoulder and the armor being the devil and trying to how he's going to lead or vice versa, depending on whose perspective you want to look at it. Um, I can see her being brought up then like your house brought it to ruin, not just mm-hmm. you, but your sister too. who knows what her, th- their dad did. Cause we really don't know. Um, I just I th- I just don't understand why they they can't mention uh her name like I didn't I wasn't holding out too much hope for uh a mention in Obi-Wan Kenobi other than maybe like a brief flashback to like all the people he's lost over the years um but it, it just when it'd be one thing if we're talking post the rise of Skywalker Mandalorians and you not mentioning Satine because at that point that's 50 years ago you've yeah. had like two change in galactic regimes or three cha- three changes in galactic regimes that have affected the Mandalorians so maybe the things of 50 years ago may not have affected them now after they got bombed like three times but with this you're talking 20 years tops where you did have the uh, sister of the last legitimate ruler of Mandalore rule and everything that came out as a part of that, the being neutral during the uh, um, Confederacy and the Republic War and then leading into the Empire and you were still neutral until Gar Saxon came along. Like, there's a legitimate reason besides Bo-Katan even being a part of it to bring up Satine. I I always think, and this, this applies to Marvel too, right? Because they're trying to play the long game, Star Wars and Marvel, is that like when they choose to actively not bring up something, there has to be a plan, right? Like, unless there's a thing where like, oh, Sony owns Spider-Man and they're loaning it to Marvel Studios and there's that sort of thing. That doesn't apply to Star Wars. So the Someone fact that may- they're not mentioning Satine and they're not, um, you know, uh, oh, they what do we say that they didn't have they didn't mention Padme at all? Yeah, they haven't mentioned Pat. The only time Padme has been mentioned 
I would want to say outside of the prequel era has been in the Darth Vader comics. And by name? Yeah, she was talked about a lot in Obi-Wan, but they didn't say her name. They just kept saying, your mom, your mom. Right, the Darth Vader comics and then uh, Poe Dameron comics, oddly enough, because it shows an older Leia. I don't remember if they actually say Padme Amidala, but Leia is Leia and a bunch of the other uh, resistance fighters are on Naboo and they find dresses of Padme's and Leia was like, if I ever have a daughter one day, I would like to pass these on to her. And we actually see Leia in a Padme dress. So that's about all we've gotten as a mention of her, which I don't understand given Kenobi where you don't have to say her name to Leia. I understand that, but you could say it to Bale. You could say it to Brea. They both. Knew so her. why are they, they both knew her well? Exactly. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Um, and then with Satine, like she's directly relevant in these events, especially if we're on Mandalore at this point. Um, Is it because at, at a certain amount of time, like at, at at some point, they're gonna bring Obi Wan's kid in? Like, I'm that, gonna give. That... I'm gonna give the dumbest reason. Okay, this is my Occam's razor. Simplest solution is is the right, right one. I think they're not introducing Satine because in a couple short months we're going to meet Sabine and that's going to be confusing. <clears throat> because I confuse their names all the time and I know who they are as characters. I think that people will be like, "Oh, Sabine, we talked about her. Isn't she? Wait, isn't she Bo-Katan's sister?" And then they have to be like, "No, that's Satine. This is Sabine." Um, you're right. It's very close and very confusing. Okay, maybe. That's my dumbest reason. That could be possibly true. It's the only reason that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that's it. it yeah. It's what I call the Mike Flintstones vitamin theory. Um, so back in the day, Flintstones vitamins didn't have. They had Fred. They had Barney, and then they had Betty, but they didn't have Wilma. It's one or the other, either Wilma or Betty. They didn't have the other because the shape is the same. And so when you have all these vitamins, you have to have different shapes. And so, like, you won't have a tiger animal cracker and, like, a fucking, like... Jaguar. Jaguar. Like, it'd be the same shape. So it's kind of that, like, Flintstones vitamin theory. Uh, Someone in the chat asked if this was a lighthearted episode. (laughs) Like, no, that dude gets his brain fried. No, I don't yeah. think doc- Dr. Derpy out there, Derpy <laughs> Entertainment, we see ya. Uh, <laughs> I-, I think it's interesting. No, this was not a lighthearted Disney-fied episode. By the way, just the, like, I people, I mean, for years have talked about, like, Disney-fying Star Wars and blah, 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 blah. Star Wars was always, like, especially after episode one, episode one was, like, after the holiday special, yeah, or yeah, Ewoks. Did did does anyone remember the disco Star Wars kind of music that like I don't know I had it on, on like a cassette tape. There was like a disco mm. Star Wars thing, <laughs> uh, where people must have been going to the discos and you know uh, dancing to Star Wars music. Can we um talk for a minute? Yeah. About what the. My cat is making a very strange noise. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, uh, the 
they don't have they don't have names. Yeah. They, yeah. So the people that are in the amnesty program are like L85. They don't allow them to have names. Yeah. Like that seems bad. Like that seems dehumanizing. Bad. Yeah. But at yeah. the same time, they're all talking to Dr. Pershing like, oh, you're so brave. Like, thank you. Like they're being so infantilizing to him. It's very strange. So it, it, for- they know his name is Pershing, but they yeah. continue to call him by his name. Um, which I think is dehumanizing, but it's also they are prisoners because it's, it's a rehabilitation right. program. But it's also very much like the Empire and how they did their soldiers. They, you know, mm-hmm. they gave them the uh, their assigning numbers and their designation letters before it, and then with the people that Doctor Pershing talks to after his speech. So I think you saw at least two different kinds of people in the new republic the people that were rich and powerful and the change from republic to empire to new republic didn't really affect them much and that was like the yeah. redhead guy with his uh partner and then you had uh the i the only reason why i make a distinction is because Moncala was always in the fight like they were yeah. one of the first planets to rebel and they had imperial occupation and had like one of their rulers killed so like they were I so that's why I make the distinction between the two and but their responses were different where the guy was like Haha, this is why I keep my mouth shut empire rebels new republic you know the, the pompous rich guy and then the Moncali is like oh you're doing such great work for us when in reality he's not it's the bureaucracy of, of politics that shows that the new Republic was headed towards the same doomed path that the Republic was. Yeah. Uh, Man, I, I, I love Moncala. I love the Calamari. I love Aftab Akbar needs to be like a main character post episode nine, which is Admiral Akbar's is Aftab Mm -hmm. his, his son, right? Yeah. Uh, He's in episode nine. Mm-hmm. And his, you know, his father had died in episode uh, eight. eight, like, and that's why he, I think he joins the resistance or whatever. Anyway, the point being is like, he needs to be made character. That's a side note. Um, yeah, there was a lady that talks to Pershing saying like, aren't you glad you're on the good side now? Or like, she said something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. there's a side that like, is just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. New Republic, we're the angels. We are the good guys, angels, this and, you know, and then there's the, yeah, the people that are like, we don't choose sides. We're just here. And I, yeah. Yeah, I, I liked, I, I really liked the scene of them, like, reminiscing about, like, what they liked about the before. And they were like, well, no, like, how careful they are to be like, no, 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 like, we didn't like the Empire, but like, I do miss being in hyperspace, like that kind of stuff. Right. I thought that was very realistic. Yeah. Um, are they not allowed nice. on ships anymore? I probably probably not. not until their amnesty is complete, I would say. Um, because it, it's also interesting how quickly they went through that reintegration program. Because presumably... Did they? I think it's been like three years since 
Mandalorian season two, it's either one or two. We're not sure. I think it's at least two. Because the same thing she said, Kane says, like, that's not how things were back then. And it's like, how much time has passed? But I think it's been at least. Wait, talk about the Battle of Jakku. How long has it been since the Battle of Jakku? No. Or Mandalorian. Because back then could just be back when they were part of the Empire. But even for her, I feel like that might be different than those other guys because oh. she and Pershing were one of the last people to be captured because they were on Moth Gideon's thing. So it'd be very, very quick. Did Chris cut out? Oh, yeah. Chris, you're. Can you hear me? Yeah, now we can. Okay. No, now you cut out again. <laughs> Is it. What's going on? No, yeah, can't. That's weird. Um, while Chris figures, oh wait, Chris, you're back. Am I back? I don't know what's yeah, going you're on. Back. You're back. No, you're no right. one else. No one else is on the <laughs> internet. Like, um, <clears throat> but no, um, because they were so recently <clears throat> captured and integrated, I don't understand how they were. Like maybe Pershing, because you could say he was like a hostage the whole time because he kind of was. But with uh, Kane, like how was yeah. she able to, you know, be reintegrated that quickly without either someone on the inside, like feeding her in and getting her to him specifically? Because um, the other thing is, I wouldn't be putting people on the same ship in the same area. Yeah, people but she's are, in yeah. there as, but that's intentional. That's yeah, so that she yeah. can entrap him. Right, but I'm saying someone did that because yeah, I, yeah, like I know the New Republic isn't all that smart, given some of the decisions they make off the <laughs> bat, let alone the decisions they make closer to the sequel trilogy. But that seems especially since they were both still a part of the Imperial remnant post the battle of Jakku for a few years like that. You wouldn't want those two people to be in close proximity, just in case they're still harboring anti new Republic sentiments. I, I mean, Reddit was already talking about how, like how wild it is to put all the Imperial officers and stuff together in one place it's 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 like you know like when we talk about prison it's putting all the bad like people together or even if they're not bad then they learn to be bad because that's just how like recidivism is what it is anyway the point being is that like this way though at this in, in like integration center or whatever this is halfway house they get to go out into the streets and like do what they want to a degree which is wild, right? Yeah, I mean, not very far. And it seems like they went through, like, a deprogramming thing before they had to get here. Because if we're saying it's been two years since Moff Gideon, then he's just now getting into the amnesty program. And it seems like not everyone gets into the amnesty program, right? Because they're all saying, like, oh, congratulations on getting into it. So this idea that... It's not like, oh, we're going to throw all the Imperials in an apartment building, all the ex-Imperials in an apartment building. I think it's a, I think it's a rare, I think some of them are in prison. 
And it's mm -hmm. if you successfully complete the, you know, reintegration course, then you get on the amnesty program and then you're on probation and can't go out of a certain, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Barrier area. Mm -hmm. uh, and then maybe after five years, you reintegrate into society. Um, I just give, feel bad for Pershing. Like that sucks. Okay. But given, given the barrier, right. Who she turned him in, but at what point did she do so? Right. Because for her to like, as soon as they leave the barrier, you can just capture him. Right. Cause he's already broken what he did. And then, if you ask and she can tell you like, oh, he wanted me to take him to an Imperial shuttle, like or Imperial Star Destroyer. Why was she so willing to do that? Like what was in her report that convinced them? Like, I don't even need to interview this guy because if they did, then he wouldn't be like he would probably be a bit more frantic in trying to say what he's saying versus like this is the first time he's able to actually tell his story. She needed the mobile kit. Right. She she needed it. But a, why would you let her take it, like at at the scene where they right. got arrested, and and b, why is the New Republic so believing of her and so trusting of her? Like some so, some smells rotten in the state of Denmark. I yeah. was under the impression that it was a sting operation, and the entire time she was tasked with, hey, you were on the ship with him, see if he is going to backslide and do this thing that he knows he's not supposed to do. Cause she was pushing hard from the beginning, asking him about if he should still do his research. Maybe he should ask the HR droid if he could still do his research. She, he, the entire time he was hesitant and she was like, yeah, you know, uh, following orders is what got us in trouble. You know, blindly following orders was got in trouble the first time. I think that she was given a job and that's why she's behind the glass when he's like, oh, she already wrote her report. Because that was yeah. her job, was to get him to do this and see if he would go through with it. Uh, so, I, so there's two trains of that, thought. One is that entrapment is just normal New Republic procedure. And then two is she entrapped him and got rid of him to get something out of him because she's Hydra, essentially. Right? Yeah. And I think... I think uh, mine is a little bit. I think that the New Republic people were like, we let him in, but we're not super sure. So like, double check. Or she is, yeah, still working for the evil guys and entrapped him to entrap him and then fry his brain at the end to, I don't know. I, I mean, don't know why you would do that, but. Well, we don't know what he's told everyone about his time with the empire like he did talk about like oh the cloning of someone to help them retain power but if he hasn't given them the details and he's still willing to wanted to do that work even for the new republic and we know that the first order and some uh, remnants of the empire had people on the inside of the new republic government she could have been tasked with like okay lobotomize him because he could give up secrets about what he was actually doing. Like he was doing a force, like imagine, you know, cause Leia's in, in the new Republic, right. But I don't think they know she's force sensitive, but imagine that they find out that, Oh yeah, I had this very force sensitive child and we were using his blood to clone it. Like, and that's, 
told to the Senate. Leia calls Luke. Luke then has a one-on-one with said scientist. And that opens up a whole new can of worms because you, the at least the Imperial Remnant knows Luke's out there. So that's like the less people that know or could know, the better. What if, throwing another theory out there, what if Elia Kane is acting on her own? Yeah, what if she just sucks? What if she, she just, what if she, well, it's an opposite of sucks in a way. What if she's a vigilante in a Dexter sort of way? Mm. She's taking, essentially, she's like, I work for the New Republic and I was this bad person, but let me entrap people and then turn their like voltage up and get rid of that so they they never defect and go back to the empire and do bad things i just want to know why they were so willing to believe her you know like just not just believe her but like take her report and not follow up with with the person because like okay you can't tell me just looking at pershing that he was able to um, you know, get on the train tracks, hop yeah. the train, jump off at the Imperial Star Station, knew how to hotwire it and everything like that. Every step of the way, like everything that he does post leaving the barrier is a violation of his, you know, like his amnesty arrangement, which is why they set up the barrier. So why let him get to that point? You there know? has to be some sort of thing with the mobile kit. Either right. proving that, like, he, like, showing that, like, with his brain and a mobile kit, you know, it could be trouble, right? So mm. take the mobile kit, get rid of his brain. Yeah. So I, I just think something, something, something's going on there. And uh, obviously, this isn't going to be the last we've seen of her because you now you focused on her directly for an episode after like yeah. showing her for maybe like 30 seconds of screen time, which, you know, good for her after Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Like, get, yeah. get your, get your I'm, screen time. I'm glad you said that, because when she showed up on the previously on, I was like, uh, I'm, I, yeah. I have no recollection of who this person is. I was like, she, was she in season I remember her from Agents okay. of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm. She was in Marvel's Angel, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, so... Um, yeah, good for her making that Disney money, you know. Yeah, people said they wanted her to be recast as, as Cardoon, and I was like, Well, you oh. definitely can't do that now. Yeah, somebody on Reddit, because I, I, you know, I went on Reddit real quick. Somebody was like, She could have been an adult Omega. Nah, I'm not buying that. For why? (laughs) I don't know. No, I'm not saying now, but like somebody could have been cast. Oh, she could have been cast. I thought you meant. Yeah. Okay. No, not 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 with what she's doing now, but that you could have. That'd be a weird. That'd be a weird twist. But she was already a comms officer on Moff Gideon's ship, so you couldn't have brought her as a different thing. You know. Um, I mean, only only Andy Circus can do that. I mean, yeah. in in theory, you could have if 
you know, like since she was only so limited in screen time, like she, you know, she maybe had 30 seconds to a minute enough where like, like you said, you had to look and be like, was she in season two? So like, if you don't include that recap and you just make her Cara Dune, like do people just like, are people able to be like, wait, that's her. Like, I feel like that's a very small amount of people. If she's in a completely different, like role costume <laughs> hair design that are people going to be like is that her because i'm gonna be honest i didn't recognize her in ant-man and the wasp quantumania until someone told me afterwards here's a question though has anyone in star wars been double cast i don't know i don't mean andy circus but i i'm like marvel there are cases of double casting right um but in this case you know has there ever been anyone in star wars being double cast uh, I mean, Mark Hamill, technically. For he's what? been he's been a bunch of people in animation. He's voiced others in live action, and obviously, you know, he's Luke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, like live action. Uh, the original Boba Fett. He was at a cameo in Revenge of the Sith. Oh, but that doesn't count because he's he has his helmet on. I mean, like someone who's like visually double cast. Like Marvel has the care like uh like someone Star was in the mom. background and then like they're in the background and then they end up later yeah. on. Star Lord's mom is the same actress who who's in Captain America: The First Avenger. Uh, Michelle Yeoh is in Shang Chi and she's in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Um, uh, 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 what's her name is in Eternals. Cersei is in Eternals. Oh, Jimmy Chan. Gemma Chan is in Eternals, but she's also in Miss Marvel or Captain Marvel. Um, different things. Most of the time, um, it's been animation and live action, or live action, and now I'm under a lot of prosthetics. Live action. Yeah, I did yeah. not know any of those things. Oh yeah, there's a couple yeah. of people who are double cast. Every single one you said, on my brace, my face was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. It's like I didn't know. Yeah. I thought you were talking about like Chris Evans was the, the Human Torch, and then <laughs> oh, also no, Captain no, America, like, or well, like some okay, of those so Agents like, of Shield, something that's not canon, but like within MCU, you can't. That's wild. I mean, uh, yeah, Agents, yeah, Agents of Shield and Netflix stuff aside, mm-hmm. like Jenna Ortega plays the president's daughter in uh, Iron Man three, but she's also going to be in Daredevil: Born Again. So she is. That's what I heard. Yeah. So that's the rumor. As who? I do not know. They need to lock her down. She needs that Marvel money. Get her away. I saw her her away from that Wednesday dance. I saw her in Scream Six last weekend. She was delightful. Yeah. I mean, last year was year of Jenna Ortega. Like out of anybody out there, like celebrity wise, it was her year last year. We'll see if it's her year this year. I mean, I don't see why not. Um so uh after all this, does anyone have any idea where, where Mandalorian season three is going? Um I, well, I think there's uh, a so- faction. I think there's an imperial faction within the New Republic, and that's what sent the TIE bombers and the interceptors and whatnot. Yeah, I don't think it's Thrawn, which I know some people are gonna go to. I don't think it's Thrawn because if it was Thrawn, we probably would have seen some TIE defenders. Uh but I think that 
there's obviously going to be some draw to bring the New Republic into the view of the Mandalorians. And because, you know, that uh, one officer, I can't think of his name, has kept on trying to like, he was trying to uh, recruit Kara at you know in the first season, and then he was trying to recruit Din. No, 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 no. The uh, older uh, New uh, Republic yeah. guy. Oh, Asian uh, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The dad from Kim's Convenience. Uh, yeah. Paul. Paul. Some. Uh, Paul. Something. But yeah. Yeah, and so we we know he's at some point trying to recruit someone from the the season trailer. So. It wouldn't surprise me that if they get word of some imperial activity on the outer rim, that they don't just like come out to investigate, and then they see a bunch of Mandalorians, and they're like, "Hey, you guys should join us," and they're like, "Kick rocks." Um, so that was because they were they were trying to do the Republic Rangers uh, show. Yeah, but he also, was also in the book of Boba Fett. Uh, also, why? What? Why? Oh, yeah. Why? Why did they bomb Bo-Katan's castle? Uh, literally, literally, who has motivation to do that? Well, she did give some good reason that she stole a bunch of their stuff. So, what'd she say? What? She, uh, she did steal like a bunch of Imperial equipment. Remember, like where they were in the Mandalorian season two, they were raiding Imperial ships. Oh, <laughs> I forgot that entire plot line. Yeah, You're right. The Imperial has a very Empire has a very strong reason to dislike Bo-Katan. I was like, why but would who? they do that to Bo-Katan? And I was like, oh right, she <laughs> well, there are a bunch of them. They killed a bunch of slaughtered and they haven't stole their stuff. I mean, that Good also point. gives another reason that Moff Gideon may have escaped in uh, New Republic custody. Because he knew he knew so much. I mean, being in the ISB, he knew a lot. But he seems to have such a personal connection to the Mandalorians themselves. So he would probably know that uh, Bo-Katan was on Kalevala. And so he sent word like, yo. I would love to see Admiral Dalla. Mm-hmm. I, I think she'd be great to bring back into or to bring into canon. Yeah. Yeah. I said, yeah, yeah. I'm so I'm, I don't know if I should know by this point. I'm trying to think back. I'll have to rewatch season two where it's like, should I know at this point where the season is going? Like, we're a third of, is there, are there nine episodes? I think there are eight or nine. I think the one thing that's different between this episode. Or this season and last season is we knew what the end of the season goal was for Din. It was to get Grogu to a Jedi. And at this point in time, he had a name for a Jedi and it was Ahsoka. And he was going to head to her after he went on one last side quest. Now he's done his goal of the season of getting... um, getting reborn or baptized in the in the living waters so now it's going to be like okay how can he be a mandalorian again with people because he hasn't had uh a cover of more than one mandalorian since like halfway through season one maybe so with that with bo katan's people out now that he has the dark saber what kind of mandalorian will he become 
and then have to deal with either uh, Ahsoka being like, hey, yo, there's this dude named Thrawn. He's kind of sus. I need your help. Or Moff um, Gideon's like, hey, I'm back. Bitches. I hope there's a new villain. Yeah, I don't, as lovely as Junior Lowe is, I, d- I don't think he can sustain three seasons of being the bad guy. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, because then it becomes a Batman Joker situation. In, yeah, and then which, it's, like, yes. Din's whole life is being a nemesis to Moff Gideon. Yeah, somehow Moff Gideon returned. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised I... <laughs> if Moff Gideon shows up and then a bigger patch yeah. takes him out. Like oh, like Cottonmouth like in, in Luke Cage season one? Cottonmouth, but actually good. No, but like, you know, I would say with, with Cottonmouth, you had half a season with him and with Moff Gideon. Like, we've had two seasons of him. Yeah. Um, so, like, and they've even had, they've had several confrontations at, at this point. So I think it would be, you know, like Moff Gideon has them cornered and either... You know, like my my, I hope they bring the Grisk from the books and from the canon Thrawn books into uh, the live action, and they're like the big bad. And you know, you got what are they called? The Grisk, G R Y S K S. So essentially, they're like the Yuzhan Bong, but um, less murder happy and more parasitic. Okay. Um, in terms of how they are as a species, like they manipulate other uh, civilizations into pretty much working for them. And, you know, it's it's what the Thrawn novels have been working up towards. Will we mm-hmm. get that? Who knows? Maybe they'll just remake Arif to the Empire, which that'll be interesting. Um, but I think that Moff Gideon has a purpose to serve outside of being a big bad. And we'll see what that is we know he'll be back this season so do we we do yeah john carlo esposito was part of something press wise so not like bo not like katie uh pedro john and dave but he's at least been cited okay um any final thoughts before we close up this episode? This episode was just weird. It was the weird sandwiching, the Pershing story, uh, some cool dog fights that were that were really cool. Uh, I miss Rogue Squadron as a game. I would mm-hmm. love to just have a Rogue Squadron type game where we can play in those situations. I think it'd be cool. Paz Vizsla is a hater. That's my closing thought. That man is a That's certified a hater. hater. Oh, like, but he but he called her a night owl, which I liked. Yeah. Was it but cute? Like, was that nice? Like, what's the purpose of no? Night owl? I just think I mean, it's it. That's like that's uh that's like her group. Uh and you just I haven't heard her called that in a long time. Oh, so, is it her yeah. group? I didn't know this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was he was just being a dick, but for those that yeah. no, we appreciated it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I don't know how. Like, obviously, we've seen Den for so long, and so we can see, like, read his emotions without having his helmet off. But, like, Paz Vizsla just gave off the look of a hater without us actually seeing his face or him saying He anything. did a little, like, hmm. Yeah. Like he, he can't hmm. see his face. 
Yeah. I know, but I know what he was doing. Right. He's yeah. just like, great, this guy's <laughs> back. He's just mad because he can't have the dark saber. Yeah. Because he, I mean, he tried. Uh, yep. Viva La Bam Bussum says, stupid question, but are there any Inquisitors left now? Off chance that they're coming after Grogu? Uh, as far as we know, all Inquisitors are gone by a new hope. Yeah, as far as we okay. know, all in, yeah. All right, all right. They're definitely gone by Empire, but as yeah. far as a new hope is, yeah. Um, I think we have, uh, I think we have eight uh, episodes total, so I think five episodes left in the season. Yep. Could it be? Um, so I'm excited to see kind of where this where this goes because I don't have any idea. Maybe oh, they yeah. treat they treat this season kind of like a first part like kind of like season one was to season two you know they kind of treat the two mm-hmm. seasons as kind of like one continuing arc we'll see um because i didn't know this until like the weekend or late last week that um when season one was premiering they had just started shooting season two wow. so they had already had storylines written, so they didn't know how popular Grogu was being. So that's why he was a lot more limited. Um, and so I think we've seen more of Grogu. Obviously, he's been trained, but we're seeing Grogu interact more with the world outside of using the Force than we did before. So I think if that, if they're keeping that same kind of mentality, then they might be starting to shoot season four soon. So they might have written the two together. And they might yeah. just do that going forward. And that's that's not bad if you plan things out more than one season ahead of time. And you're like, okay, I can leave this breadcrumb, leave this breadcrumb, weave some right. things through. I mean, it's fair to it's fair to say that like Mandalorian multi-season Star Wars show, Andor has two, but they planned it out. And then mm-hmm. the rest are like, eh, you know, they do a season here, a season there. I do I I do often find myself coming back to the idea of what this season of TV would look like if the two episodes of Book of Boba Fett were at the beginning of this season if we mm. would have started with Din going around saying that he lost uh you know they took his helmet off and then if we saw him training with Grogu and then we saw him make the choice at episode 3 then we would be at episode 6 right now I think about that it would have been two episodes, right? Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's also weird because for the second episode where he's with Boba, it makes sense for him to be that to be in the book of Boba Fett. But that episode before, it really doesn't because that's all yeah. about you know. So like, it'd be one of those situations where you show that episode. And you say, like, in the previously on, like, you show the Book of Boba Fett, like, what what has happened in that show, and then you catch up. It's like, it was a weird thing to do. Yeah, that's why the previously on say previously on and not previously on The Mandalorian. Right. (laughs) It's previously on The Mandalorian and that other show. Yeah. I mean, this whole thing has been wild. I don't know what their excuse is on, on all the things that they do, the limitations of like why they're saying certain things, as opposed to Marvel and their Sony, Fox, you know, MCU snafus. Uh, I don't know. 
but I guess time, time hopefully will illuminate that uh, for everyone. Uh, I want to thank everybody out there so much uh, for for watching. Viva La Bam Bustums was out there. We also got First Timer, um, Peyton Rice eighty zero eight nine, and Doctor Derpy out there. Thank you so much for watching us on Twitch.tv slash The Keeg Show. Um, whether you're watching us live on Twitch or YouTube, uh, or you listen to the podcast uh, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher, thank you guys so much for digesting us. Before we get going, um, Sarah, what do you got coming up? Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on TikTok and Instagram at uh, Ms. underscore Marauder. Uh, Instagram is our uh, finishing up our cosplay builds of our Encanto-themed Mandalorians, which are so close to being done. I'm doing the embroidery on her skirt right now. So I was embroidering a Mythosaur skull just before the episode um, in hot pink. Um, and then TikTok, I will probably be crying about The Last of Us for maybe probably the next week and a half. And then we'll get to some convention content. We have uh, Anime Impulse coming up this weekend and then WonderCon next weekend. So I'm excited for you guys uh, and all that. I'm excited for you to see Taylor Swift. <laughs> and and then C2E2 the week after. And then I have a very busy... And then I move out. So like between moving to a new apartment and Taylor Swift in Vegas and Chicago for C2E2, I have a very busy March. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, uh, but thank you, Sarah, so much for being my co-host for the show. Of course. Uh, Chris, where can we find you? Uh, what do you got coming up? Anything you want to plug? Uh, so you can find me uh, at Star Wars Lawyer on on all the things, uh, minus probably Facebook, uh, if anybody still uses that in our <laughs> demographic. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I will be getting back to streaming now that I, I was in a musical for the past couple of months. So that's done. Uh, so now I have a bit more free time. Um, Very nice. Okay. What, what musical? Uh, the 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. Oh, I didn't know you did musicals, but okay. All right. Uh, I have questions then... for you for next time. Don't have much time <laughs> right now, but next time. Um, and then um, my, my next con is Celebration. Uh, so that that's in a few weeks. So that's going to be a good time. And I'm working on getting a final cosplay for that because some things happened with some things I've been working on since last year, but that's a neither here nor there and then this summer you can uh catch me trooping with the 501st with great lakes garrison as empire strikes back vader nice deeply jealous oh sorry i I was gonna say no what okay sarah you go it's okay i'm just crying about not being able to go to star wars celebration Uh, i'm deeply jealous i won't be at star wars celebration either because it's also in another country yeah i'm taking advantage taking a vacation Mm -hmm. yeah that's cool that's cool uh thank you uh both of you so much uh chris for being our special guest for episode three uh sarah for being co-host uh thank you to everybody out there for watching wherever you guys are watching and or listening um by the way every time i say and or it sounds like Mm -hmm. and or now yep in my own head (laughs) yep Um, same Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at The Keeg Show, Facebook and Twitter at The Keeg Show, pretty much everywhere at The Keeg Show or slash The Keeg Show. Um, Patreon.com slash The Keeg Show if you want to give back to the show. Uh, but yeah, we do a bunch of different shows. We do the Mandalorian after show. We got 
uh, Comic Talk every Thursday and the Keeg Talks every weekend. This weekend, we're talking about Shazam, Fury of the Gods. Um, and so uh, there's that. Other than that, it's pretty much the gist of things. Um, yeah. Oh, just let us know you're out there. Like, comment, subscribe, do all that stuff. Let us know you're out there because sometimes we don't know. We don't know who's out there. Um, so wherever you guys are, digest us in the way you want to, but let us know. Uh, other than that, thank you guys so much for uh, watching us. Once again, I am your host, Mitra Pereira, and this has been the Mandalorian After Show, Season 3, Episode 3. Take care, everybody. See you guys next week. Super fast.